Hey, this is Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Reception. Thank you so much for being here for today's episode. I'm really excited to jump into this topic around why I believe women don't want men who are in touch with their feelings. Of course, as you know, I want to approach this from the area of the grays, the nuances, and really dive into that. So one of the things that I'm going to be talking about is why a man in touch with his feelings doesn't necessarily indicate or demonstrate emotional safety or emotional maturity. And the second piece is talking about how we can reimagine male vulnerability in a way that empowers all people, in a way that doesn't perpetuate certain stereotypes of masculinity, but also still expands the emotional spectrum and range that men can access and share in relationship. And the last piece I want to get into is really why I don't think that we should be romanticizing this idea of the ideal man with this emotional depth and this emotional range and this emotional sensitivity and why based on what i've seen the pursuit of that can be an aspect of the shadow an aspect of self-sabotaging tendencies and strategies so Let's jump right in. So this conversation was actually originally sparked by a question that I received on a panel that I spoke at a few weeks ago, I believe a week ago. Yeah, it was definitely last week. So this question was around a conversation that this woman had been having with I believe it was a guy in her life or maybe her partner. But in these conversations, she was craving something more, a more profound emotional connection to him based on his level of vulnerability. So she wanted more, more than the range or the depth that he was giving her. And she was curious about how do we invite men to bring more of that to these conversations. And so... It was a great question and it was something that I believe so many people navigate, not just women in terms of like how to be that invitation for more emotional depth and intimacy, but for men specifically on how to navigate that space. Because let's be real, if a man is too damn emotional, it is a turnoff for most women. Women want a man to be in touch with his emotions, but the point where he becomes emotional, it is a complete turnoff. They almost completely lose respect for him. They may nurture him, mother him, and turn into his therapist within that conversation, but a part of her leaves the room. Sometimes it's her erotic energy that leaves the room. Sometimes it is the part of her that is deeply attracted to him that leaves the room and so when i asked and spoke to a few other women after the event they confirmed this they acknowledged from their own space of self-honesty that yeah if a man really 
really goes there in a conversation and is emotional. You can feel that he's accessing these parts of him and he's sharing it with her. The women share with me, yes, that would be a turnoff. And they acknowledge that in some way that is a trap, right? And so my point is that men already sense this. Men already know this. They know they can share certain things, but they know if they share too much or if they go too far into that spectrum, into that level of their expression, then it is going to scare the woman away that she's going to not feel that attraction to him anymore. There's a part of her that's going to look at him and not really see that masculine, strong rock that she loves and feels like she can lean on. So a lot of men withhold and try to calculate how much of themselves can they bring into a conversation that can be emotionally dense. And so it's very, very difficult to navigate that. The reason I find this conversation important is because on some level, women don't want a man to be in touch with his feelings and emotions. Because from my understanding, there has to be some kind of polarity within the relationship. I don't think this is just ideas of traditional couples and traditional stereotypes about male and female. I think it's also a way to preserve polarity. Because if that man has a similar, maybe even an identical emotional range and access and depth and sensitivity as his counterpart, there is a loss of polarity. There's going to be a loss of intimacy naturally. And so my understanding is that, and most people might not agree with me around this, but women don't want men to be in touch with their feelings. They want to know that a man is capable of being vulnerable and that he's also not afraid of intimacy. A man in touch with his feelings doesn't necessarily mean that man is emotionally available, emotionally safe, or emotionally mature. There are a lot of people that are in touch with their feelings and emotions, but they also don't possess the ability or the capacity to regulate through those emotions, to problem solve when they're having a difficult or challenging emotional experience, and to also seek out support independent from their relationship. So being in touch with your emotions, it's not a good indicator for any of these abilities or skills. It's not. So the capacity to be vulnerable, the capacity to self-soothe, the ability to emotionally regulate, these are what the indicators of an emotionally safe person. And so if you have a man that just has access to his emotional range, but does not know how to problem solve, doesn't know how to seek out support, doesn't know how to not turn their partner into a therapist or his mother figure, 
that is not a man that a woman is going to feel emotionally safe with. And that's also not a space where she's going to be able to sustain her physical attraction towards him. Especially that erotic, sensual, sexual energy. She won't be able to sustain that in that kind of relationship. She's constantly placed in the position of a mother. So let's get into how to really express male vulnerability. Because this is important because a lot of men don't have an understanding of how to do it. And a lot of women don't really know what they're looking for in terms of vulnerability. They just understand what they don't want to experience. But not having a clear idea of what it really looks like for you to receive the vulnerability of your partner or the men in your life is going to make it hard to actually communicate your needs, your desires, and also your boundaries. So what I've discovered is that there is a way to bring a woman into my inner world. And the way to do that is by understanding that women are naturally already primed to take emotional responsibility in a relationship. Because of the way they're socialized, they experience emotions and feelings directed at them in a very, very intense way. So part of communicating vulnerability or revealing vulnerability requires that we not place the responsibility of our emotions onto our partner or the women in our lives. So how we do that is by conveying what is happening in our inner world and to couple that with some kind of solution, something that we are going to begin doing, start changing or stop doing to help us self-soothe through what we're navigating or to help us get to the root of what we're experiencing or struggling with. This is very different from just laying my heart out and sharing and emoting. This doesn't really create any intimacy because it's not an invitation. And it's not an invitation because the person is naturally going to feel responsible for what you're feeling. Because in that conversation, you're not taking responsibility for what you're feeling. Me taking responsibility for what I'm feeling means I need to figure out how to not feel this anymore or how to process this in a healthy way or where to get support from. That's taking responsibility from what I'm feeling. Not just the articulation of it and the sharing of that experience with someone, but the next step the next step to release it, the next step to regulate through that experience is also important. And when we don't include that within our shares, within our moment of bringing a woman into our inner world, yes, it becomes overwhelming. So an example is if I have a long day and I've been working since 7 a.m., and my partner asked me how my day was, 
I can reveal and share I'm having a very stressful long day. I'm super tired, work was stressful, I had bad calls today and nothing really went right. So what I'm going to do is book this appointment with this massage therapist that I really enjoy going to. And I'm going to go there at 7 p.m. and just allow my body to relax, allow me to really drop back into my body and really process my day fully. And I'll see you afterwards. That's me literally conveying that I'm having a stressful day. There is an invitation to peek into my world, get an understanding of how I process my day. And you are not responsible for any of the things that I'm feeling right now. There's my pain, there's what I'm going through, and this is what I'm going to do about it. And so this can also vary given context. Maybe something I'm experiencing is a result of that person's actions and behaviors. There is a way to relate. There's a way to convey in a way where we take emotional responsibility for what's happening. So that is embodied in I statements. That is embodied with sharing our inner landscape. When this happened, when you did this, this is what happened for me internally. I felt this wound come up. I reflected on these past patterns where I've been involved in dynamics like this. And it just made me feel very unloved, unseen, unworthy, or insecure. Like that's bringing someone into your inner world. That's revealing your heart. There's no emotional dumping there. There's no vomiting of my inner landscape and just pushing that onto someone without taking into consideration their capacities and how much of that they can hold. So that is an art. That is a skill that we have to develop and craft. And everyone needs to be able to learn how to do this in these settings that can be emotionally dense and intense. And there is some kind of myth out there that women know how to do this a lot better than men. And that's really not the case. Most women, I feel, enter into relationships with a superiority complex. And that superiority complex is based around their belief around how emotionally intelligent and mature they are. And so this really creates a block for intimacy and connection, which makes it difficult for these conversations to actually take place within a space where a man also feels like he can be seen, he can be valued, and what he provides to the conversation is also honored. I hear women share all of the time. I'm more emotionally intelligent than him. I'm more emotionally in touch and he really can't match me in this space. And I get that. But it's not really a good measure for emotional maturity if who you're comparing to is someone that has been trained and socialized to not develop those abilities. It's like me saying, I'm an artist, I'm a brilliant artist, but the people I'm comparing myself to is people that can barely draw a circle. 
that's not a really accurate way to measure my own level of artistry, right? So it's not a really accurate way to measure our own level of emotional maturity. If we're looking at the other counterpart, this other group of people that literally were discouraged and are still shamed today for attempting to cultivate anything involved in emotional depth, sensitivity, or intimacy. If all of the partners you've had were people that did not have that ability, did not really know how to access those parts of themselves, that doesn't really indicate how emotionally mature you are. But in a way it does. Because the people we are aligned with, the people we're in relationship with, are people that match our maturity levels, that match our capacity for love and intimacy. Those are the people that the universe brings into our lives. You aren't going to be in someone's life because you are here, sent from the divine to really teach this person how to be mature, how to embody love, how to welcome intimacy, how to stop being afraid of intimacy. That's not how partnership really works. People come together and they're compelled to be together because they both have a set of lessons, a set of curriculum that they're there to learn together with each other and from each other. So I can't come into a relationship believing I'm the only one here that's here to teach, that's here to guide, that's here to provide, that's here to just, you know, show the person the ropes and get them on board. Like that is me walking into a relationship with a high level of grandiosity. I'm completely inflating my own self-image. And when we do this, I do this in my own way in different parts of my life. But when we do this, the reason I want to emphasize this point is that it literally is blocking the very intimacy that we seek in partnership. This is what I mean that this is this is the self-sabotaging tendency right here. Because it completely keeps somebody in this loop. It keeps women in this loop of like, men are unreliable, men are unavailable, men don't meet me, men aren't emotionally in touch. It keeps that loop going. This state of being just hopeless and unsure of the future or what love holds for you. Like it's keeping that loop going. It keeps that story alive and it perpetuates that dynamic as well. And it's because largely if I'm in a relationship where somebody's relationship to themselves is a little different than mine, it is not right for me to impose my relationship with myself onto someone else. And my example for this is I am what you would call a neat freak. I love to organize. I love to keep my space looking a specific way. Like I'm very specific about certain things certain placement of objects and cleaning. Like even when I'm cooking, I'm also cleaning. And when I'm stressed, I like to clean. 
Like I'm one of those people. Like I enjoy cleaning when I'm stressed. I enjoy cleaning on a Sunday morning and popping a good playlist on and just making the space look nice. I find joy in that. There's a lot of people that don't. A lot of people are different. There's people that were raised differently, so they don't really enjoy cleaning. They don't really enjoy organizing. But I'm not one of those people. And so when I'm around other people and I'm in their space or they're in my space and they look at me and they say, hey, I just cleaned the kitchen. In my world, the definition I have of cleaning the kitchen is very, very different because of how I relate to myself. So when I look at how they clean the kitchen, of course, what am I going to see? Nothing but error. I'm going to only nitpick what they didn't do. I'm going to be like, wait, that's not clean. You forgot to do this. You forgot to do that. What is this? Like, let's get back in the kitchen and let's actually clean the kitchen. That's what's most likely going to happen. But the reason that's happening is because I'm imposing how I clean the kitchen onto how this person likes to clean the kitchen. Of course, I'm going to dismiss their effort completely. So if I want to actually build a relationship with this person where we can both be a team, where I can be relieved of always having to clean the kitchen, I need to learn how to do something. And that's I need to learn how to positively affirm and acknowledge the efforts that someone puts into being a team member of our unit. And if they do that in the way that makes sense for them, I need to praise and acknowledge that effort because it's an effort. If that effort doesn't match how I would do it, that is not right for me to dismiss the effort entirely. That doesn't encourage the person to do it again. That doesn't encourage the person to want to get better at what they're doing, at what they're cleaning, or maybe the way that they organize. It doesn't encourage that. It just stifles it. So this is what's happening in relationships. It's women are in a space where they're projecting their own relationship to themselves, to their emotional body, onto men, completely ignoring that Women are quite literally, biologically, and psychologically wired differently than men. To the point that their relationship to their emotional body is designed to be more profound than the relationship a man has to his emotional body. This is just a fact. This is just a fact. There's research that suggests women have a more profound relationship with their intuition and their emotional body due to a combination of biological and social factors. So when we're speaking biologically, there is differences in the brain structure. A woman has a larger limbic system, typically, than a man does. But the limbic system is entirely associated with our emotions. So, of course, that's going to contribute to a heightened capacity for emotional processing. And psychologically and socially, women are often encouraged 
from a really young age to be more in touch with their emotions, to caretake to other people's emotions, to be in touch with these aspects of themselves. Of course, as adults, they're going to have an enhanced intuitive ability and also emotional processing skills. Now, this is contrasted with typical male socialization, where, of course, these young boys are literally shamed and discouraged from embodying any type of emotional expression outside of anger, and they're pushed in the direction of logic, reason, and problem solving. So we're not even including the fact that women have wounds that go through four different phases throughout a 28-day, 31-day cycle. Like, we're not even including all of those things that shape their relationship to their body and make their relationship with their emotions and the world around them a lot more profound than men. We're not even getting into that, right? But this is what I'm saying. You're already set up from a young age to have a more profound relationship as an adult to your emotional body than men are. So to say he can't meet me, he can't match me, why aren't we, why isn't he mirroring me in my emotional depth and sensitivity? He's not supposed to. He's quite literally not supposed to. This is why the relationship works, is because in this dynamic, there is polarity, there is differences. And those differences are what make the relationship exciting or what make the relationship passionate and, and interesting. You remove that layer, and some people are trying to remove that layer collectively and culturally. I don't know why. Everyone needs to be the same now. You have to be able to do what I can do. Like this projection or this search or this pursuit towards sameness is not evidence of growth. It's not evidence of progression. It's evidence of a lack of capacity to hold differences. Because in a very strong, healthy relationship, that couple is able to navigate their differences with grace. If that person does something differently than the other person would, if they want to parent the child differently than how they would like to parent them, if they don't agree on certain opinions or political views, the fact that they're able to repair through those differences and still be emotionally connected to each other is evidence of their healthy relationship, the strong foundation that their relationship is built on. So differences, the capacity to hold differences, the ability to welcome differences, is evidence of maturity, is evidence of progression. Yet here we are in our relationships, our little small ecosystems, trying to make everybody look the same, trying to make everybody be the same. Well, you need to have the relationship I have with myself. Our emotional depth has to be identical. Our desire for this, all these things have to be identical. That is not progression. We're not progressing when we're doing that. We're literally trying to project our own state of independence. Because when a man says, 
baby, I want to be the provider. And he's met with, well, I can provide for myself. I've now been born into a world where these things are socially acceptable and socially encouraged. So I don't need you to provide for me. What that person is trying to do is assert their own independence. But this idea of asserting our own independence, this desire for it, is just creating a wedge in relationships. And it's how society literally collapses. Because we're quite literally encouraging in unknowingly different ways that men don't need women and women don't need men. And the way we do that is by trying to make everybody the same. Rather than honoring our unique differences and the unique strengths that we bring to a partnership and nurturing those strengths, we're like every needs to look the same and that's not what partnership is about so in the relationship with the masculine and the feminine the feminine's emotional depth and range is there to help the masculine recognize areas of himself that he has left uncharted spaces in himself he has yet to explore that is the relationship that's the lesson, that's the gift of that type of dynamic. And so that doesn't mean men need to be emotionally stunted. They need to have depth, they need to have a range. They need to have access to their inner world. What I'm saying is that relationship that a woman has is nine times out of 10, always gonna be more profound. And Bell Hooks talks about this in her book, Communion, where she shares that there are just natural inequalities that are present within a relationship. And one of those inequalities she identifies is that women are going to have a more profound relationship to their emotions than a man. That's an inequality that is present in the relationship. But what she shares is that these inequalities in a relationship, like a man may be physically more capable and stronger than a woman. That's an inequality in a relationship. But these inequalities don't have to create domination. They don't have to lead to abuse if they are built on a foundation of mutuality. Mutuality being mutual respect, mutual admiration, mutual growth. When the foundation is built on that, then these inequalities don't lead to exercising of patriarchy or exercising of abuse of power. They just lead to people coming closer together. So if I were to have a child today, my wife would have a more profound relationship with our child than I would. Why? Because they shared a body together for over nine months. I'm not going to have that with my child. I'm not. They literally shared food. They shared an identity. She held our child in her body. I'm not going to have that relationship with my child. I'm not going to get the chance to experience that and share that with my child. I won't. So already, even when I enter into the realm of fatherhood, I'm experiencing another layer of inequality. My child 
is going to have a more profound connection to his or her mother. Naturally, just naturally. But that doesn't have to create domination. It doesn't have to lead me to feeling inferior to my wife. And it doesn't have to lead my wife to feeling superior to me as a parent because she held this child within her body for over nine months. If it's built on mutual respect, right? I respect your strengths, baby. I respect your strengths, baby. And then there's a coming together. So this is what I'm saying. There are natural inequalities present in relationships. These inequalities are really just polarities. They're just differences. And we can learn to hold those differences and use them to expand our perspective, our worldview, our relationship to life and enrich our experience of intimacy. We don't have to push against it. And this is what I'm seeing people do, pushing against it. When it's about welcoming it, it's about learning how to develop the capacity to hold it. So in this conversation, it might have been things that didn't resonate with you or some things that did stick out and some things that did resonate, but that's what it's about. It's about tuning into what are your desires, tuning into what resonates for you and what works for you. Because I think when we shift out of trying to change people to be who we need them to be or what we want them to be, we enter into just aligning with people who are already in touch with the vision that we share. That is a very different mode of relating to life and the world. And that's the way I'm approaching relationships is not trying to change people to come to my understanding or persuade them to see things from my perspective. It's just about aligning with people who are already there, who already understand that, who already have the willingness to understand it. So I hope that resonated with you. And I really want to say thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you made it here to the end and share with me what your takeaway was from this episode. Is there anything that resonated or stuck out to you and why? And with that, I'm going to wish you a beautiful rest of your day, a beautiful rest of your evening, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace.